According to the National Center for Drug Abuse, over 165 million Americans ages 12 and up are currently abusing drugs or alcohol. Of those 165 million Americans, there is a mom, dad, sister, brother, wife, husband, son, daughter, or grandparent praying and pleading that they would stop. Addiction is a subject most people don't like to talk about and is kept behind closed doors. But the Finding Hope podcast will bring light to the subject and give families that are living in shame, guilt, hopelessness, fear, worry, and anger, tools and education to find strength, peace, happiness, joy, and hope. Hello, I'm Amy LaRue, Finding Hope Coordinator for Hope is Alive Ministries and your host for this Finding Hope podcast. At Hope is Alive, our mission is to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. We do this through our intentional next level sober living homes and faith-based support groups for the loved ones of addicts called Finding Hope. Thank you for joining us today. On this episode, we will get to hear a personal testimony from a mom who lost one son to an overdose and had another son in active addiction, how she went from being stuck in a three-year depression to finding her purpose and voice. Help me welcome Miss Cindy Bowling to our podcast. Cindy, how are you doing today? I'm good, Amy. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. We tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a, I'm a mom of a 13-year-old grandson now that I'm raising. I'm married to a wonderful husband, Jim, and um, we live in the Sand Springs area. I do a Finding Hope group and a Hope After Loss group. Thank you. Sand Springs, Oklahoma, right? Yes, ma'am. Very good. So tell us um, a little bit about your journey and how you found Finding Hope. In July of 2015, my son Jordan Michael Birmingham um, had been at our house for a couple weeks. He'd gone to many sober living houses, been through many rehabs, had been fighting addiction for about seven years, but he had finally came clean and told me that he was a heroin addict. And so I had sent him to many rehabs that he'd gotten kicked out of. This was the last one. He said, okay, I've really got to get it now. I've got a daughter that's almost two and I need to get my life in order for her. And would you support me? And I said, yes, but you have to do all the work. So he chose the rehab, went there and got kicked out again and came back to my house the middle of July I helped him find a job and um, he had gotten his first paycheck on the 25th and he said, I'm going to run some errands, mom. And we had birthday plans on the 26th because my birthday is the 28th and we were going to go to my mom's and the family was getting together. And we woke up on the 26th and um, Jordan was dead on my front porch. And I didn't really know what to do. We had, um, at that time, Trace was, it's been seven years, so Trace was six years old. And Jordan had a 
almost two-year-old daughter, and I was just in a state of depression. And I just wanted to stay at home and not be around people because I was ashamed. I was ashamed that my son that I brought up in church and and was an athlete and all that had turned to drugs, and I didn't raise him like that. So Trace kept asking me, can you take me to church? Gigi, will you take me to church? Will you take me to church? And I kept refusing to take him, and I would make up excuses. And then finally, one day in 2018, I finally said, you know what? I'm not going to get any better if I don't go to church with my grandson. So we found a church in our community that looked like a lot of fun. And Trace and Clara and I all got dressed up and went to church that Sunday in 2018. And um, when you join a church, they ask you, how can you help your community? What would you be good at here? And I asked them to, um, to find a place where I could help addicts because I wanted to help them since I had lost Jordan three years prior. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there, Cindy. So we're going to go back a little bit. Thank you so much for sharing that um, from your heart and being so vulnerable and open with us. So on July 26th of 2015, you found Jordan, mm-hmm. um, a parent's worst nightmare. I can't imagine. Yes. And you found him. What did you think had happened? Did you know it was an overdose right away? Or um, what did you think happened? Or what did you do from there? Jordan was type 1 diabetic, so um, he used a used needles all the time. And I just assumed that he had um, had a sugar high, that his blood sugar was probably over 700 or something, and he just died. It's what I was hoping. So you were hoping that it, it, the cause of death was from his diabetes. Yes. And when you found out the truth, were you open and honest with other people about that? No, this is the part that's really hard for me because um, I lied for three years. Um, I told everyone he died of diabetes because his diabetes was so bad. I didn't want people to know that he was an addict because not many people knew. Why, why do you think you didn't want people to know that he was an addict? Because it's shameful. I didn't bring my children up to do drugs. We didn't have drugs or alcohol, much of that in the house. I wasn't a drinker. I didn't do drugs. I The only thing bad that I did was smoke cigarettes, <laughs> and that was to escape. I would go outside and do it. I wouldn't even do it in my house. So Jordan um, was brought up in a loving home, went to church, was an athlete, all these things where you don't think it will get your your child, right? You That's think right. this this addiction won't get my kid because I he grew up in a loving home. Um, he went to church. He was an athlete. He was involved. And you talked about a little bit that his journey with his addiction ha- was going on for a while. And you finally, you said something, you finally said, you know, he was ready for help 
and you were there to support him, but you weren't going to hold his hand through it per se. Um, that you would love him and support his decision. And he went to rehab, he got clean, he came back, and then something switched. And he went back to the drugs, overdosed, and going through all of that. And it is, I can't imagine having to tell someone, my son died of an overdose. And I'm so proud of you for being here and sharing that. And I know there's other people out there listening that are in the same state as you, that that shame and guilt that their son, daughter, wife, brother, sister is addicted to drugs or alcohol. So how did you get over that shame that you were feeling? Going to church, Mm -hmm. trusting God, and giving it to God, just laying all of my sorrows on his, at the bottom of the cross. I, walking in that church that day, I felt God's presence around me just saying, welcome home. It's about time you're here. And I'm so glad you're here. And it was very welcoming. Very good. So after those three years, your grandson was like, Mimi, take me to church. And God said, here you are, you're home. Let Mm -hmm. me take care of you. And you started to talk to us a little bit about that. You started going to church. You felt at home. Mm -hmm. They wanted you to serve and you asked them, I want to help other addicts Yes, in honor of Jordan. That's right. And so uh, what happened from there? They didn't have anything at my church at that time because they just didn't, you know, it wasn't in their community, they thought, or it wasn't big at the time. And so they sent me to uh, Finding Hope Group in Jinx, where I met some pretty amazing people. They were where I was. They understood me. They were like me. Mm-hmm. I felt at home. I felt comfortable. I could talk. I could be honest and tell how I felt. And I, I had held that shame for so long I never told anybody and I didn't talk about it so at these meetings I felt so at home I felt like when I walked in the door they all accepted me just the way I was very good something you haven't talked about is you lost Jordan to an overdose but you also have another son I do and we know this is a family disease. It is. And so we talk to us about your journey with your other son. My other son started his addiction long before Jordan did, but he wasn't living with me. He was older, five years older than Jordan. So he was outside of the home when he was working in the oil field and uh, doing speed to... Um, stay up late at night because they would work 12 to 15 hour days. And so he was heavily in his addiction when I lost Jordan. And then it still continued while I was going to my meetings, my Finding Hope meetings. His addiction was still pretty good. He was pretty strong in it. But in my meetings, I thought I was going for Jordan. I was actually going for Christian because, and I didn't know that, but I enabled Jordan and was so 
such a good codependent to him that I had to learn to say no, and it worked on Christian. Wow. Yeah. And so I can't imagine a mom that's lost one son to an overdose, has another son in active addiction. And I know other people listening out there, that's our biggest fear, right? Is losing our loved one to this disease. And so how did you get through that knowing this could kill my other son? The meetings, the Funding Hope meetings gave me so much strength in talking. I felt like I found my voice and I'd lost it for three years. I couldn't even imagine saying anything to anyone about losing one son, but let alone telling them I had another son that was also in heavy addiction. And they taught me at these meetings that it's okay. There shouldn't be a stigma to addiction. There shouldn't be shame in this. I didn't bring my sons to this. They chose this path. They chose this life. And I learned how to tell Christian, no, I love you, but I love you from here. And I can't help you until you help yourself first. Oh, I like that. I can't help you until you help yourself first. That's right. But Cindy, what else you were doing was helping you yourself through it all. And so you were going to these meetings and you started to learn these tools. You're talking right there was a boundary, right? Yes, we talk yes, about that all yes. the time, setting those boundaries and being confident. And that's what yeah. it sounds like. So what happened as you started setting these boundaries with yours, um, with Christian and stopping these enabling behaviors and stepping out of that cycle of codependency? I know it's so hard for us. It's so easy to get in that quick fix it mode or, okay, I'll give you $20. This is the last time. And then again, we give 20 more dollars. Okay. This really is, or, Oh, I'm going to let this boundary slide this time. That's right. Uh, Okay. Now I'm putting it back up. But once you really put up those firm boundaries, stop that enabling, stepped out of that fix it mode as a codependent, what happened? Well, Christian ended up in jail quite a few times because mom didn't pay his fines. Mm. Mom said, no, I said, I love you, but from a distance and you've gotten yourself into this and you're going to have to find your way out. So he had to feel his own consequences. That's right. Okay. And he was in jail quite a few times. I didn't pay his fines. I didn't get his car out of impound. I didn't go visit him. I didn't send uh, money for snacks at jail. I totally shut him off and he had to learn that I have to work this out myself. So how did Christian respond to that? Christian was angry. Okay. Christian was mad at me. Christian tried to say I didn't love him. I love Jordan more Mm. because I gave and gave and gave to Jordan and he tried to manipulate me and, and tell me that I wasn't a good mom like I thought I was being. And I just had to keep going to meetings and talking to other parents that were doing the same thing that I was. And they gave me confidence to continue saying no. So how is, jo- or how is Christian today? February the 2nd of 2021, Christian was, uh, has been sober since that date. So it's been over a year and he's still sober and he walks a sober life. I 
I love watching him to come to my house. Mm. I love hanging out with him. I love talking to him when he's sober. We have a better relationship now. That's amazing. So he would say all these negative, yucky words. You, you love Christian more, Jordan, Jordan more. You love, you know, all this stuff. You don't love me enough. Mm-hmm. Has he come back and apologized for any of that? Yes, during his um, days of going to AA, which he still goes to, he has learned that you have to make amends with the ones that um, you have hurt. Mm-hmm. And he has apologized to Jim and I, and we're also raising his son, and he has also apologized to his son for not being a better father. So he knew you loved him through it all. Yes, he did. But he was just using his words to manipulate, get at your heartstrings, mm-hmm. all of those things. But deep down, he knew you were doing this out of love. That's right. Absolutely. I hear that all the time. They don't think I love them. You know, and a lot of times our loved ones are using those words against us, That's right. making us feel the guilt of all of it. Yes. And I tell people all the time I talk to, no, they know you love them. They know. And right here, you sharing that with everyone listening. I want you guys to hear that, that her son mm-hmm. came back and apologized and knew that his mom loved him even when she was saying no and not bailing him out or doing any of that. So Cindy, um, so you've lost one son to an overdose and you have, and your other son is currently in recovery, which is so exciting. And so you've been on this journey. You talked to your pastor about wanting to help other addicts, Mm -hmm. But God's put you on this path to help the loved ones. That's right. So you started your own Finding Hope group. Um, what have you seen through some of your members by it, that have been attending these meetings? I've seen them find their strength. That's the part that I love. They will call in the beginning quite a few times. What if Am I doing the right thing? Should I do it this way? Should I do it that way? And after many, many meetings, I see them grow and learn to say no and not feel so uncomfortable about turning their children away. And that's strength. And, you know, we're going over the Bible together and we're, we're uh, learning how God would want us to be with our loved ones. And it's just a blessing to see so much growth. Something you just said, they ask, and I get this question all the time. Should I do this, this, this? A lot of the times I turn it back onto them. What do you think? Because what I found is they already know the answer, Mm -hmm. but they just need that support hearing that they're in that, um, just that support and that strength from someone else to say you are doing the right thing. And so sometimes it's just, they already know the answer you know, and then before long, you're able to see them helping that next person walk in, giving them the strength to, you know, again, they know the answers, Mm -hmm. but just having that strength and courage. Sometimes we just have to have that courage to do the right, what we know that's the right thing that might not feel the right thing. And so when we have each other in our finding hopes, we're able to support each other because we understand. That's right. So um, we, you've been a part of Finding Hope. And then last year, 
we felt like God was calling us to start a hope after loss group. Will you tell us a little bit about what is hope after loss? Hope after loss is for the loved ones that have lost someone to an overdose. And I love being able to show other parents or loved ones how we also in hope after loss need a tool belt because this that is the worst possible thing that can happen is you lose some a loved one to an overdose. It's not a glamorous death. They didn't serve in the military. They weren't in a car accident or anything like that. It's 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 ugly. Addiction is ugly and so it's hard for loved ones to understand how to cope with that and that's what hope after loss does. So it is a grief support group for yes. those who have lost someone to this disease. And like you're saying, um, I personally haven't lost anyone to this disease, but you and some of the other ladies that I've spoken with and listened to, and it's different. Like you were saying, when you have lost someone, you talked about that earlier, when you lost um Jordan to an overdose, you lived in that shame and guilt. You were telling people that he died from his diabetes because they don't understand addiction like you and I, Right, you know, but coming together and grieving because we know that Jordan is so much more than his addiction. His mm -hmm. addiction isn't his identity no. and coming together with other moms and dads and spouses. And we have one group that even has a son that comes and yeah. um, lost his mother to an overdose right. to be able to grieve together um, mm -hmm. through the loss. And so, um, I just want to say thank you so much for doing that. And I know Jordan would be so proud of you for doing that. And, um, if they met, if someone met you on the street today, they would have no clue because of your smile and the hope you have found in Jesus through all of this. That's the truth. Um, so if there is a mom, a dad, someone out there that's loving someone, um, that is in addiction, they're mm -hmm. currently in addiction. What advice would you give that person? To continue to love them. Don't ever stop loving them. You just have to set boundaries with them and tell them, no, you can only help them if they're taking care of their own self first. And you have to, through God's grace, you have to grow strength so you can help them. So we help them by helping ourselves. ourselves. I've heard you say that a couple of times. So let me say that one more time so our listeners can hear it. We help our loved ones by helping ourselves, which First. so many times we think that's backwards. We think right. we have to help them, help them, help them. Yeah. But that's just causing them to, you're enabling them yeah. to keep using because they don't have to take care of themselves. Absolutely. And there's a fine line and we, we've, we have an episode about enabling versus helping mm -hmm. and what does that look like and feel like, mm -hmm. because there is a difference, but the best way, and I heard someone in recovery at one of my finding hope meetings saying, my mom helped me by not paying for anything, not enabling anymore. And I was like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. She helped you because she stopped. That's right. And, but like you've said so many times, we help them by helping ourselves mm -hmm. first, which, you know, as a mom, uh, we know every, the viewers know like the addict in my life is my husband. But mm -hmm. as a mom, I have three young kids. I just, 
you know, I know like you just want to go into the help it mode, but it's hard. It really is. So we understand if you're out there, how hard it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you're out there listening, I want to, I like to leave with a challenge. And so I'm just going to leave with what Cindy has talked to us today about is help yourself. That's my first challenge. How can you help yourself? You might not even know. So many times we get in this cycle and we're in, we, we lose. We don't even know how to take care of ourselves. So I want you to stop today, pray and ask God, how can I help myself today? What's that first step I can do for myself? Because as I take that first step for myself, my loved one can take that first step for them. And something else you have said is, is don't live in the fear. You know, give that fear to God mm-hmm. and get connected in that community and call. Just like Cindy says, she talks to her members, call, you know, call people who understand. I say it all the time. You don't get it unless you live it. Mm-hmm. So don't call your best friend if your best friend doesn't understand it. Call somebody that does understand it. Yes. And so if you are out there and you have maybe lost someone to an overdose, we'd love for you to check out Hope After Loss dot today to get more information about how we can support you through that. But you can also learn more about finding hope at finding hope dot today. And um, so I just want to say thank you again, Cindy, so much for joining us today for being vulnerable and open and transparent with our viewers and for sharing your story. I know it can't be easy, um, but I also know that God has put you on this for a purpose. And it's an honor to call you my friend and colleague and just to see the growth I have seen in you over the years. Thank you, Amy. It means a lot to me. So thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, but before we, you go, I would love for you to give us a five-star review, share this on social media, and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss our next hope-filled episode. Thanks again for joining me, Amy LaRue, and our special guest, Miss Cindy Bowling, in this episode of Finding Hope. And remember, you are not alone. It's not your fault. And there is hope. This episode of the Finding Hope podcast was brought to you by Hope is Alive Ministries. To learn more about Hope is Alive, visit our website at hopeisalive.net. If you are in need of immediate assistance, don't wait. Call us now at 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. That's 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. To find out more about Finding Hope and how you can get involved in a meeting close to you, visit findinghope.today.